Chris Gast, RLM's Director of Communication and Education. Happy Friday, everyone. Hope you're able to enjoy a long uh, Labor Day weekend. But we're back here, um, ready to go. Fall is here, almost. The election is in full swing. Uh, It's time to get back to work. Our feature today is going to be covering the new doctor-prescribed suicide bill in Michigan, Uh, But first, let's go over a couple of big stories from the last two weeks. Uh, This is no surprise, but once again, Senate Democrats have filibustered legislation to fund a response to the Zika virus. Of course, their sticking point is funding for Planned Parenthood. Uh, They're demanding that the bill specifically fund Planned Parenthood, even though Planned Parenthood, as we've discussed, doesn't do vaccine development. They don't spray for mosquitoes. They don't do what's most needed to help with this, what some would say is a public health crisis. One thing that uh, really got to me reading the news story about it was the article that I read, I believe it was the New York Times, said that anti-Planned Parenthood language had been inserted into the bill. Anti-Planned Parenthood language. Well, Unfortunately, most reporters don't read bills, but I do, especially when the bill is only about three pages long and takes about five minutes to read. Doing the work that journalists won't do. That's what we do here. Um, The bill itself doesn't mention Planned Parenthood at all, actually. It specifically lays out ways that the funding should go. Funding needs to go here. Funding needs to go there. So when the article says anti-Planned Parenthood language, it means that language doesn't specifically single out Planned Parenthood for funding. And that's what they're demanding uh, before they'll release that filibuster. Again, you know, Planned Parenthood contributes to a lot of these senators' uh, campaigns. Um, You know, senators are demanding more money for Planned Parenthood. We see when we give Planned Parenthood more money, they don't actually serve more clients or provide more of the services they frequently tout, such as birth control or breast exams. What they do is they provide more abortions. Another sad story, once again involving Planned Parenthood. That's going to be the theme um, for the news updates. Uh, It was confirmed that Cree Orwin, the 24-year-old woman in Battle Creek who died following an abortion, uh, she died, uh, was found dead in the early morning hours of the 4th of July, confirmed that she had her abortion at the Planned Parenthood in Kalamazoo. We are pretty sure that's what happened based on uh, where abortion clinics are relative to Battle Creek. We thought it was probably the one in Kalamazoo or maybe the one in Ann Arbor, but it was confirmed. Now we don't have the autopsy yet. We're still waiting for the details to confirm that indeed it was complications from the abortion that caused her death. But once again, um, abortion is a dangerous procedure. Planned Parenthood likes to pretend otherwise. Uh, They don't, they and other abortion clinics don't report properly the complications following abortion. Sometimes they don't even know because they don't actually even have a relationship with these women. They send them home and forget about them. 
So the real question that remains to be seen is will Planned Parenthood sue the state of Michigan uh, to take down our abortion clinic regulations, make it so that we go back to the old way where abortion clinics uh, probably will never be inspected ever by state officials. And the question is, will they be willing to do it when they're dealing with the probable fact that a woman just died from having an abortion at one of their facilities? One more story I wanted to get to covering Planned Parenthood and legislation. Uh, California's legislature passed a bill that would send undercover reporters to jail if they do their undercover reporting on health care providers, including abortion facilities. The inspiration for this California bill, of course, was David Daleiden's investigative work in the state of California about Planned Parenthood and their fetal organ harvesting practices. Now, obviously, this bill would be unconstitutional. Even the American Civil Liberties Union of California is opposing the bill. Uh, The Los Angeles Times wrote an op-ed against the bill. Obviously, journalists have an interest to not be turned into criminals for doing undercover journalism, which is a frequent thing. The bill might be passed, it might be challenged in court. And here's what the real important point in this is. Now, this bill is obviously unconstitutional. Undercover journalism is broadly protected and it is an established practice in America. And certainly not even abortion clinics, but other healthcare providers engage in abuses. Um, For example, you could think of uh, elder care facilities. I know that there have been reports uh, in the last few years on that um, in California. You know, it would you, you turn you into a criminal for being concerned about uh, patients' welfare if you're a journalist. So again, the, the real important thing here is this is obviously unconstitutional. Uh, even the American Civil Liberties Union, you know, like a broken clock, they get something right twice a day. Um, and it might not matter. It might make no point at all to a judge that this is obviously wrong. The problem when it comes to abortion cases and judges is they don't always follow legal procedure. They don't follow precedent. If they want to uphold or strike down a piece of legislation because of their support for abortion, they will do it. And they will find any justification they can to make that happen. Anything to put a fig leaf over it. We saw that in the recent Whole Woman versus Hellerstadt decision. Roe v. Wade is a prime example. Even a bill like this that's obviously unconstitutional, it might not matter if it gets to a Supreme Court with five hardened pro-abortion advocates on it who will come up with some strange justification in order to say that you should be a criminal if you do investigative journalism involving a abortion clinic or other health care facility. So we'll see if the governor has signed the bill. I haven't heard anything yet. Uh, Governor Jerry Brown certainly isn't the most ardent believer in constitutional rights in general um, when it comes to specific issues. Obviously not a pro-lifer, Governor Brown. Um, So we'll see what happens, and if he does sign it, how that will quickly end up in court and where that goes. And again, I'd like to be able to guarantee you that, oh, it's obviously unconstitutional, but one 
takeaway pro-lifers need to internalize is that it doesn't matter. The facts, the truth, the law, it doesn't matter when it comes to our cases in court if the judges in that court are pro-abortion advocates. Okay, let's switch gears and talk about that suicide bill that was recently introduced. Uh, the two lead sponsors of the bill are Representative Sam Singh, Representative Tom Cochran. It's modeled off of Oregon's law allowing doctor prescribed suicide. If you want a really good in-depth look at the bill, I want to encourage you to listen into our teleseminar on Tuesday. That's Tuesday, September 13th um, at 11 o'clock. You can find information about it on our blog. You can find it by going to our website, www.rtl.org. Our legislative director, Ed Rivett, will be talking during the teleseminar about that bill specifically and a few others. Ed is an expert. He's been with us a very long time. Been through us uh, with the uh, 1998 uh, effort to legalize Doctor prescribed suicide in Michigan, which we defeated. So Ed will give you a, a much better breakdown. Tune in, uh, 11 o'clock, Tuesday. You can call in. You can listen online. You can catch the replay after the fact. So let's talk about just a few of those really troubling aspects of the bill. I'm going to read directly from the bill. Um, one of the problems in Oregon is they say that safeguards exist for doctor prescribed suicide, but we have no way of knowing if those safeguards are even being followed. So in this bill that uh, Representative Singh and Cochran have introduced, it says that the Department of Health and Human Services shall promulgate rules under the Administrative Procedures Act of 1969, lists several state laws, to facilitate collecting information regarding compliance with this act. So that sounds nice. They're collecting information. But the bill says, the information collected is privileged, is exempt from disclosure under the Freedom of Information Act, and shall not be made available for inspection by the public. Who's the public in this? Well, we're the public, because we're the ones that, if this were to ever be passed, which is important to note that this bill itself uh, really has no chance of passage, but that's not the purpose of the bill. It's to start the conversation, to start the process to bring doctor-prescribed suicide back to the state of Michigan. But if they were able to do that, then they don't want the public knowing what's going on. They don't want the public to be able to understand if abuses are happening, if coercion pressure is taking place. They don't want the public to be able to research information about it. They want it tightly controlled and cloaked in secrecy. Another portion of the bill I wanted to read, it says that uh, this act does not authorize a physician or another person to end a patient's life by lethal injection, mercy killing, or active euthanasia. I'd just like to add uh, uh, for now on that. We know how this works with advocates in favor of euthanasia, how they start is not, and what they say they're going to do at the start is not how they end it. Um, but... Again, the legislation goes on to say physicians can't do that, and then actions taken in accordance with this act do not, for any purpose, constitute suicide, assisted suicide, mercy killing, or homicide under the law. Now let's examine that for a second. 
It says, actions taken in accordance with this act do not constitute assisted suicide. So the bill is saying that if a doctor assists someone to commit suicide by giving them a lethal prescription of pills, that doctor is not actually assisting in the suicide. Now, I can't make sense of that. If you are assisting someone to commit suicide, you are assisting someone to commit suicide, no matter what the law says. I mean, the law can say the sky is pink with purple polka dots. That doesn't make it true. Um, so the law is creating a fiction, creating a lie, right in the text of it. Now, another part, uh, problem with this bill, again, the creation of lies and a shroud of secrecy. Uh, there's no required counseling in the bill. It's only mentioned that doctors should refer for counseling if they want to, maybe. Um, part of the problem is as we see in states that legalize doctor-prescribed suicide, there are networks of doctors, providers, advocates who are more than willing to help this happen. Will we see that in Michigan? Probably. There's no notification of family members required in the bill. And uh, there's a requirement of a witness, but it doesn't say who that witness must be. So let me quickly just paint a uh, possible scenario putting all of these things together. A person is diagnosed with cancer by a doctor and given six months to live. Upon hearing this diagnosis, uh, this person, even though there may be treatments available, there may be uh, possible experimental treatments that can prolong life or provide this person with uh, enhanced quality of life, uh, this person becomes extremely depressed at the situation and begins idealizing suicide. This person is maybe not getting amount of emotional support or perhaps even not the level of pain control that they require. And this person just decides, I, I want to commit suicide. I really want to do this. There's nothing that's going to stop me. So this person goes to a doctor, and the doctor examines the person and discovers that the person is not capable mentally of making this decision because of the depression present. The doctor says, well, I can't do this for you. Well, the person is just going to find another place to go person contacts a pro-suicide organization in the state, asks for help. This organization might have a list of doctors who are ready and willing to write a lethal prescription. This person can go to the doctors. Doctor will write the prescription. Uh, witnesses will be provided. Doesn't have to be a family member. Doesn't have to be Someone who is invested in this person's life, it might just be someone who comes along who has a strong ideological belief that committing suicide in the face of a medical condition is a positive thing. So this person who is severely depressed and who is greatly in need of counseling is not recommended or required to see a counselor. So this person then goes on, commits suicide, Family members aren't even notified. A family member finds out after the fact and has some questions. How did this happen? You know, this person was fine before and um, this person was dealing with this cancer diagnosis and now this person is dead. You know, we have questions. Well, 
Who are they going to go to? They can't submit a FOIA request. They can't get information on the suicide of their loved one. The doctor is going to be no help. There is no one along the way to help this uh, their loved one get the counseling they need. There is no safeguard in place, even though they say that safeguards will be there. Will these safeguards be followed? Will they really matter even in the end? That's an important question that everyone needs to ask when looking at this bill. So we'll see what happens in the process. Obviously, in the state, the legislature is majority pro-life. This bill is not going to be passed. The Michigan voter soundly rejected Dr. Prescribed Suicide back in 1998. But this might be a very long process over many years, and this probably won't be the last iteration of this bill we see. So it's important to learn about it. Again, I encourage you, call in, listen in online, 11 o'clock Tuesday. Our legislative director, Ed Rivett, will go in more detail if you'd like to hear a little bit more about it. You can always come to our conference, too. Uh, That'll be on Thursday, September 22nd in Lansing. One of the main speakers at conference is Wesley J. Smith. He has written many books. He has much experience dealing with doctor-prescribed suicide and euthanasia. Uh, How he got involved in the issue in the first place was very similar to the scenario, uh, theoretical scenario, I put to you. So if you want more information about our conference, just check out our website. You can always find everything on our website, www.rtl.org. Okay, that's all we have for this edition of LifeBeat. Join us for our next episode in two weeks. We'll talk a little bit about conference, and I'm sure there's going to be a new story or two that will be of particular interest that we'll cover. Thank you for listening, and have a great weekend.